The following program is created for informational purposes only and does not constitute as medical advice. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the host. If you think you may have a medical emergency, consult your doctor. This is where the healing begins. This is Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne of Greenwood Family Chiropractic, where it's not only about neck and back pain, but a place for whole body wellness. Listen this hour as Dr. Leanne is here to share her wellness education to help you live a maximized life. For more information, visit GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. Here's Dr. Leanne. Good morning. Thanks for joining. You're listening to Maximize Your Life. I'm Dr. Leanne Schluter, Greenwood Family Chiropractic, 317-893-2853, 317-893-2853, or you can always check out our website, greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com. That's greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com to schedule your initial exam and consultation. Today, we are talking about kids and sugar. I feel as if I had known about this beforehand, but though now myself having three small children, (laughs) four, three, and one. Yep. Did you gasp a little bit? Yes, we did them very close together. Uh, I'm like in the thick of it right now. And I'm not, I don't even have teenagers yet. (laughs) But I do want to go through kids, diabetes, prediabetes, we're going to go through some hidden sources. But then too, just honestly, some transparency on what I do with my kids, though, very, (laughs) very knowledgeable that, um, you know, navigating through some of those hard times, but in a good, better, best scenario, what we've done, maybe things that we've been more or less helpful for us, but maybe just give hopefully a couple guidance tips that you might be able to use within your own family. But before we get into that, let's talk about some news. Dr. Leanne's Health News. Some studies suggest that too much sugar can literally mess with the brain. Health News now, one of the world's most commonly prescribed medications. Today, the average American consumes 22 teaspoons of sugar a day. Protesters say they just should not be forced to get this shot, not by the government. today's health in the news. Pre-diabetes has more than doubled among American children. Here's how to reduce your kid's risk. So they go on to talk about pre-diabetes in America's youth is following a concerning trend. Rates among children have more than doubled in about 20 years, according to a new study. The increase was seen over almost all subpopulations of young Americans, regardless of income, ethnicity, and education said the study author, who is assistant professor of population, health sciences, and policy uh, at the School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in New York. So the study, which was published in the journal of uh, journal JAMA, Pediatrics, it included children 
from 12 to 19 years old and looked at data in the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention National Health and Nutrition Examiner's surveys. All of these words are so long. They looked at those kids from 1999 uh, to 2018. Over that time, the rate of prediabetes in adolescents went from 11.6 to 28.2, rising fairly steadily in that time frame. Prediabetes is very common in adults, but 80% of those affected don't know they have it, according to the CDC. The condition is marked by blood sugar levels that are higher than normal, but yet not at diabetes threshold, and it increases a person's risk of developing type 2 diabetes, heart disease, and stroke. Right? So diabetes increases your risk of developing type, of type 2 diabetes, uh, heart disease, and stroke, having prediabetes. If we do not intervene, the children who have prediabetes have a higher risk of developing diabetes and also have a higher risk of all cardiovascular disease. The study is well done and adds to a body of knowledge about concerning trends when it comes to diabetes in America's youth, according to Robert Gebe, chief scientist and medical officer of the American Diabetes Association. He said, as a society, we need to work together to reduce obesity and prediabetes in youth. This will take a broad public health approach from working in schools, families, and most importantly, uh, availability of health foods with a particular emphasis on populations that are at greater risk, such as the youth population. What the study couldn't answer is why prediabetes has been on the rise. And that is the next question future research should pose. I can, we're going to answer that in a minute. Uh, what parents and caregivers can do. So they said there are, there may still be questions about what is causing the rise. Sugar. Sugar is causing the rise. It's sugar. Okay. Um, and all of these professors said a healthy lifestyle is a great place for families to start to reduce the risk. Most children should be getting regular physical exercise, reducing screen time, spending more time outside, eating a healthy diet, and getting enough sleep. Researchers saw a decline over five years in the amount of physical activity as young children, as young as six years old, engage in per day, according to a 2019 study published in the journal Pediatrics. At the same time, children 8 to 12 years old are getting almost five hours of screen time per day, while 13 to 18-year-olds are spending over seven hours glued to their screen. That's crazy. According to a 2019 report from Common Sense Media, a nonprofit group that provides entertainment and technology recommendations for families. Getting kids away from screens and moving can be challenging for some. Um so there's different programs, step it up, whether it's team sports, swimming on a summer day, or going for a family hike. Allowing your child to find what sports or physical activities they're interested in early on can give them something to look forward to while maintaining good healthy health and fitness habits during the, the school year. And when it comes to eating healthy, it doesn't have to be a fight. Listen to your kids' hunger cues. Model healthy eating I like that one. Incorporate healthy additions to meals that are already like and make healthy foods available and unhealthy foods less so, said Alexis Wood, who's an assistant professor of pediatric nutrition at Baylor College of Medicine. Um, so we're going to dive a lot down a little bit. Those are like easier said than done things, I personally think. But here we're going to talk first and foremost when they say we don't know. We can 
The study couldn't answer why prediabetes has been on the rise. Well, I can tell you how diabetes works, and it's sugar, right? Now, we're talking more so about prediabetes. We are not talking about type 1 diabetes, right? And so we're going to kind of break down the difference between the two, how the name for diabetes has changed, but then more so ways to look and places to search for hidden sugars next. You're listening to Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne. We're online with life-changing results and success stories at GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. You're listening to Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne. Hear full shows on the podcast link at freedom95.us. Here's Dr. Leanne. Welcome back. You're listening to Maximize Your Life. I'm Dr. Leanne Schluter with Greenwood Family Chiropractic. 317-893-2853, 317-893-2853, or you can always schedule an appointment to reach out greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com. That's greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com to schedule your initial exam and consultation. Today we're talking about diabetes, prediabetes, and kids. I think one thing that I've realized is that we feel as if kids are immune to these adult conditions. That, you know what was most eye-opening to me? I was at a gym. Gosh, and this was before I even had kids. So it was, I mean, it was probably close to a decade ago. And it was a very health-focused gym. The people in there counted macros, how many, you know, grams of protein a day and carbohydrates and fats and calories and were strict with workouts, right? Some of them competed in competitions. And when I tell you that there was a diligence, you know, that they they never missed, it was incredibly part of their life. And on Saturdays, you know, kids are in school, so they would bring their kids. And it wasn't a problem because this type of gym, there's like a little kids area. And it wasn't like a an overseen by an adult. It was like kind of this like off to the side so we could see the kids and make sure that they were doing good and run over there, you know, during the workout if we needed help. But what was always really interesting is that I I saw these adults who would, you know, definitely not eat a certain way they were very meticulous they were very strict um, about how they ate the protein that they took the amount of water that they consumed all of these very health focused and health conscious things especially about the way that they ate and what was so surprising to me is that week after week after week I would see their kids come in and when I would see the kids come in I would be so surprised each and every week on what the kids were consuming because my thought was that if these adults are eating like this surely their kids would eat similarly but they would come in with um like Reese's peanut butter cup cereal they would come in with like Gatorades or soda for breakfast and that's just how the kids ate 
And I was like, you know how important fuel is to your body. Why, why would we not do that same thing for our kids? And we think like, oh, they can have the sugar, they're blown it off. Oh, like why, as adults, like why do we skip that piece of cake? Like I'm watching my figure. I want to make sure. But it's not, it's not about weight. And what's interesting is that, you know, when you look at, so type 1 diabetes is not what we're talking about here today. Type 1 diabetes is often where the medical model views it as more of like an autoimmune. They say it's not controllable, though that being said, it's very interesting. There's lots of research and clinical cases, which it's managed without insulin. But that that's, that's very different. And again, not what we're talking about here today. Today, we're talking more about pre-diabetics developing into type 2 type 2 diabetes. Now, what's interesting about type 2 diabetes is if you remember decades back that they used to call it adult onset diabetes, right? Usually when they find type 1 diabetes and not always, interestingly enough, I've had a patient more recently who got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes as an adult in his 30s. It's a very unique case. Though that being said, they used to say, hey, type 1, typically on average, they find that in um, the pediatric population, kids, adolescents, typically where you get diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Type 2 was one where it's like a burnout uh, of the pancreas. So when you expose your body to sugar, your body says, "Uh uh-oh, all of this excess sugar, that shouldn't be so hard, all of that, this excess sugar might kill me. So what are we going to do? perfect. We're just going to increase our insulin to take it, move it to our liver um, as excess glycogen. We're going to move that out. We're going to kind of escort it out of the cells. Anything extra that we have in terms of sugar, we're just going to store it our body's fat. And so uh, that was, but that was typically seen more in adults, right? That we, we, we basically work our pancreas to the point of overload and then it says, I, I physically can't work anymore. So then there's excess sugar in the blood and that's, that's diabetes. But, you know, decades ago, they realized that now they're starting to see that in children, diabetes and pre-diabetes. Um, so there was research that was done by Diabetes Care in 2013. And it was a study that was done the volume 36, issue 6, published June 1st of 2013. Rapid rise in hypertension and nephropathy in youth with type 2 diabetes, right? So hypertension, we know, is high blood pressure. And then we're looking at damage to the kidneys. And so when they broke down kind of this study in a little bit more detail, here's what they found is that in the study, which resulted in a series of articles um, they looked at multiple treatments, right? Like metformin, metformin plus intensive lifestyle changes, metformin plus another secondary drug, and none of the interventions appear to do much good. After four years, the scientists reported that rates of high blood pressure or hypertension among children had tripled. Initial signs of kidney disease, microalbuminuria had almost tripled, which is protein in the urine. Destruction of the cells in the pancreas that produce insulin, which are your beta cells, had occurred at a rate nearly four times higher than in adults. 
And the percentage of children needing cholesterol-lowering medication had more than doubled. More than doubled. Their conclusion, oh, and um, when they looked at this, so the research, it was coordinated by the American Diabetes Associated Association. It recruited 699, so 700 children nationwide who are diagnosed with type 2 diabetes between the age of 10 and 17 and had had the disease on average eight months. All of the children were obese or overweight. So what they found is that preventing type 2 diabetes by fighting obesity and prediabetes in children is essential. And it makes me think, right, because oftentimes we talk about weight and weight is a very sensitive subject. And I understand that weight is a very sensitive subject. But it's oftentimes the lack of exercise or the nutritional components or the lack of nutrition that is often what is causing this, right? And we can't say in 100% of the cases because, you know, we're, we're not speaking in absolutes here. But for this, when they looked at these 700 kids, 100% of them, every single one was overweight or obese. And now when you look at diabetes, they're saying, hey, sugar wrecks havoc on the body, absolute havoc. So then where can we start looking? And again, the article uh, that we referenced at the initial health and the news, it says the study couldn't answer why prediabetes has been on the rise. And I can tell you it's because the, the consumption of sugar is on the rise. I am telling you, there's no way for you to get type 2 diabetes if you don't consume sugar. Now, that being said, people say, well, I don't consume sugar. But it's not just sugar. It's the things that turn into sugar. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Maximize Your Life. I'm Dr. Leanne Schluter. Dr. Oz years ago did a great show, right? The great part about Dr. Oz is that he has a little bit, uh, just a little bit more money. <laughs> just a little bit. So um, he did this kind of mini, it's not even a study. It was, it was um, he took like 10 women. And these women, he had them fasting. So they got up in the morning and let's say at 8 a.m. took their blood sugar and then gave them a Snickers bar, waited 30 to 45 minutes and took their follow-up blood sugar. They waited a couple days and at 8 a.m. they got up, tested their blood sugar. They gave them two pieces of whole wheat toast, waited 30 to 45 minutes and they test their blood sugar again. And in 80% of the women, their blood sugar increased more following the two pieces of whole wheat toast than it did the Snickers bar, right? And so this is not, this is, we're not advocating for you to have Snickers bars in the morning, but sometimes we think like, oh my gosh, like I'm having this really healthy breakfast, two pieces of whole wheat toast, oatmeal and orange juice. And you look at that the wheat is a carbohydrate, it turns into a sugar. The oatmeal likely has not just the oats, which oats a grain, it turns into sugar in the body, or it has added sugar, which is pretty indicative of most any um, oatmeals, that turns into sugar. Orange juice, those fruit juices are very, very high in sugar. It's so literally everything that you had for breakfast just increased your underlying sugar. And that's when we look at something in a better regard, not typically what the average person really does consume or even the average child consumes for food 
So that's why when we return, I'm going to go through some hidden sources of sugar, as well as some ways to start navigating through alternatives next. You're listening to Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne. We're online with life-changing results and success stories at GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. You're listening to Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne. Hear full shows on the podcast link at freedom95.us. Here's Dr. Leanne. Because I'm happy. Clap along if you feel like a room without a roof. Because I'm happy. Clap along if you feel like happiness is the truth. Because I'm happy. Clap along if you know what happiness is to you. Because I'm happy. Clap along if you feel like that's what you want to do. One reason that I do this show is to help educate and empower power not only parents but as patients knowledge about how to take action in terms of their health this is dr leanne schluter you're listening to maximize your life greenwood family chiropractic 317-893-2853 317-893-2853 or you could always check us out online greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com that's greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com to schedule your initial exam and consultation now, when we talk about diabetes and prediabetes, especially in adolescence, I really was just irked by when they talk about this article and they say, researchers just don't know how this trend of increasing diabetes has happened. And when you look, it's not a little number. The research showed, um, the study looked at adolescence over the course from 1999 to 2018, and they found that the rate of prediabetes in adolescents went from 11.6% to 28%, 28.2, and they said it was steadily rising. And why we pay attention to that so much is because prediabetes is very common in adults, and we know that it has an effect on metabolic disease. Well, that same thing happens with children as well. When you look at prediabetes, it obviously increases the risk of a person uh, developing type 2 diabetes, heart disease, and stroke. So I can speak as a mother myself is that I would never want to see that for my kids. So what can we do? What can we do? And number one is that we have to address where the source of sugar is coming from. Because sometimes as parents, we have really good intentions. And what happens is, is we just maybe not succeed as much from an execution standpoint. Let me give you an example. We recently were traveling and we did not necessarily have um, like easy access. We were traveling, we were actually traveling in a camper, right? So I was stuck we don't have a microwave at home. We don't use a microwave. But when we were traveling, it was kind of one where it's not like on the road we could really use um, our stove or the oven. We were able to do that when we stopped, but not during the day when we were driving. You know, and as much as individuals really despise my good, better, best uh, options, I realized that if I had... Um, a fridge full of organic berries and if I had to microwave some oatmeal it was still better than if we went out didn't have clean eggs cooked in rancid oil um, right and so in my opinion what was best for my family was still being able to cook even if it meant I had to use a microwave well anyways I tell you that story because um, I can't boil water on the stove while we're driving to make oatmeal 
And so it was just super simple. Popped it in the microwave, fed some people. Well, my son didn't eat all of it. So I'm like, I can't be the only mom who like just finished up what he didn't eat. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is sweet. And I had gotten like gluten-free, organic. And I, and I didn't really pay much attention. I didn't pay much mind to the actual label. And I was like, I bet you there's a bunch of sugar. And sure enough, I looked at one packet of sugar had eight grams, eight grams of sugar. Like that's wild. That is a lot. Um, so let's break this down. When you look at grams, a way to think about it is that the average table packet, like a packet that you would get to put in your coffee or your tea that would sit at like a restaurant table, on average has about 3.7 grams of sugar. 3.7. So if you ever wonder how many packets of sugar, take that number of sugar, whatever grams that is, divide it by about 3.7. If you're just doing it in your brain, four is oftentimes easiest, but 3.7. And that's how many packets of sugar would be in there. So almost two packets of sugar, two packets of sugar. Like no wonder... No wonder he loves that oatmeal because he never, because <laughs> he never gets sugar. And so um, when we look at where are some of the types of hidden sugar. So let's start with breakfast, right? The most important meal of the day. What's interesting is looking at the amount of sugar. So if you're a parent, here's what I want you to do. I want you to flip it over and I want you to read its label. It's very eye-opening. <laughs> First and foremost, let's talk about fruit juices. Fruit juices are not needed. It does not make bones healthy and strong. It doesn't make bodies healthy and strong. Um, it Now, do we make, we make our own juices at our house? Like we actually have a juicer where I can think that green juice is the best thing. They're so weird. But, and I'll, and I'll give tips on how I think I've made that happen, but and what to do moving or have older kids but they think that green juice is just the best it is live enzymes right we put a bunch of vegetables in there it's great when you're looking at something for example to be a like an apple juice so if you look at an apple juice juice box eight ounces you're looking at depending on the apple juice anywhere from 12 to 14 grams of sugar which again is three to three and a half packets. And we'll say, well, but there's no added sugar. Yes, that sugar is coming from a fruit source. But when we look at what happens in the body, it's all the different sources that our body sees sugar from. Unfortunately, our body doesn't know the difference if it's coming from a fructose source, which would be um, like a fruit, or if it's coming from glucose or sucrose. It just doesn't know. It just knows, does it affect my blood sugar? And that's how diabetes works. It just it just knows, does it affect my blood sugar? And so oftentimes we're not developing prediabetes, unfortunately, from just eating sh fruits, um, sugar from fruits, right? Uh, if you look at Concord grape juice, that number is even higher, unfortunately. So then you look at what is some staples for breakfast. So I kind of looked at what the most popular breakfasts are. One of the ones I looked at, if you were to have a small, a small 30 gram bowl of cereal, let's say frosted, frosted flakes, for example, there is the equivalent in um, that small bowl that if you were to eat a bowl for seven straight days of frosted flakes, it would be the equivalent 
each day of having two Kit Kat bars. Not the not the entire package of sweets, but the, the bars itself. You know, like the Kit Kat. You can break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. That Kit Kat bar. Um, so that would be at the end of the week if they had one small, right? Small of 30 grams. You're looking at 14, 14 Kit Kat sticks by the end of the week. Just in breakfast alone. Just from the froth. That's not any juice. That's not any added. That's just from the fruit alone. If you look at Pop-Tarts, so I dove down on the Pop-Tart website. We were never, and mind you, like I didn't grow up as a super healthy kid, but we were just never like a Pop-Tart family. So I was really surprised looking at the different flavors of Pop-Tarts now. I don't remember. There's all these different types like birthday cake and strawberry cake. And so I chose one that I thought would have the most amount of sugar um which was like an oreo one pop tart had 33 grams of sugar 33 grams of sugar 33 grams of sugar divided by 3.7 that's almost nine packets of sugar in that one pop tart you wonder why kids are so hungry and if anything sugar is an anti-nutrient not only are you not feeding the cells anything healthy and also doing is negating any intake that might have been so I was like, okay, if we do like a wild berry, like that has to be a little bit better. 31, still 31 packets of sugar for one of those. I looked at um, frozen strudels. What are, what are they called? The strudel? Toaster strudels. Yep, toaster strudels. Looked at those. I think those had like 10 or 12 maybe, so better, but not good. So then I'm like, okay, so what about lunch? Okay, Uncrustables. Uncrustables had six added grams of sugar. So I'm like, okay, not good. But, you know, they say children should have less than 20 extra grams of sugar. The ham, cheese, crackers, and cookie, 17 grams of sugar. So I was like, all right, Uncrustable, here we come. So the Uncrustables, if you don't know, are the peanut butter and jelly. And you know that those bigger kids don't eat one, they eat two. So you're looking at if a Coke has 33 grams of sugar, or that Concord grape juice, if you've ever had that. Whoo. My grandmother ordered grape juice. I'm like, man, it's been years. Can I have a sip? I almost died. It was so sweet. So I looked, you're looking at an eight ounce serving has 30 plus grams of sugar. So we can't we can't figure out. And then like, why do my kids love ketchup? Because one tablespoon, and again, one tablespoon is about a packet of sugar. A packet of ketchup has about four grams of sugar. Your body gets out what you put into it. And so we can't figure out all of these like lack of sleep or behavior disorders or weight gain. And this is not me saying it. This is the research that's literally going and backing and saying, hey, if there is pre-diabetes, when you're looking at it, obviously, if you make no changes, the way that you got to pre-diabetes is how you're going to get to type 2 diabetes, increase your risk of stroke. Like, I don't want that for my kids. So it's figuring out how do we manage. We market these things to our kids. So if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Maximize Your Life, Greenwood Family Chiropractic. Now I can speak. I do have three children, though I don't have any teenagers. So I'm sure, right? Like when I have kids, I'll never, right? We, there has to be some sort of give and take, right? So first and foremost is that when I start feeding my kids, yes, I make my own baby food. No, I don't expect everyone to do that. But we do not introduce fruits or sweets or grains until they're after one. What? 
what do you mean? Yes, my kids have good fats and um, good healthy protein and vegetables. Now, we, we do higher glycemic index vegetables, sweet potatoes, butternut squash, kids love it, carrots. Um, but when I tell you I, I roast broccoli and cauliflower and I put in a good healthy um, like beef broth, chicken broth, and I blend it up in a food processor and that's what my kids have, that's what they have. What you set your palate is what they desire. And most of those prepackaged foods, though it says it has meats or it has um, – or it has vegetables, that vegetable or meat is likely the, the third or fourth ingredient. The first one is like a fruit, the second one is water, and then the third one is more of that ingredient. So they have apples and pears, and so it's very sweet. It is very, very sweet. So it is incredibly interesting to look at the amount of sugar that comes in with this. It's very interesting. There, there is very high sugar. So if the first thing that you ever feed your child is sugar, it's just like, you know, you as an adult, if you're like, hey, you should probably have a salad after that ice cream sundae, your body's like, meh, not really, not really having it, right? It sets your palate. So as kids, if you have them, the younger that you can set their palate, the better off. And then too, it just, you know, it's, I think it's one of the reasons why my kids can literally Oh my gosh, they eat their like body weights and peas. My kids love peas. I don't love peas. My kids love peas. Cool. I will give you all of the peas. And when I tell you bowlfuls at a time between the three of them, it is absolutely crazy. But they love it. So I will offer it every time. I offer them things that I don't like, right? Um, which I think, you know, exposure for kids, it takes at least 10 times to expose a child in terms of uh, negating through an aversion. So just because they don't like it the first time doesn't mean that you don't put it on their plate the second time and a third time and a fourth time and a seventh time and a ninth time. Nine times they might tell you. And that doesn't mean I force my kids to eat it, but it will be on their plate. And they will see it and they will see us eat it. My kids do not, unless it's like really spicy, my kids don't get a different option. My kids eat what we eat. So for this week, um, we did stuffed peppers. All my kids will eat that. The four, the three, and the one-year-old. The other thing, too, that I've realized a lot is that, um, like, for example, I made a, just, it's canned salmon with avocado, a little bit of mustard, and some seasoning. Uh, it's a pretty easy go-to, high-fat, high-protein, clean eating. So when I'm in a rush or I'm just too lazy and I want to cook anything for myself, that is a go-to. So a couple weeks ago, I had asked my kids like hey do you want to bite and they're like no and then I had made it again and they said hey do you want to bite and they said no and then so I just sat down and I offered I said hey do you want to bite and they're like well maybe and so like part of me I'm glad that I offered because they ate it and they loved it and then the other part of me looked down and realized that those three kids ate my whole dinner and I was still starving and my bowl was empty so I had to go make another round, which, you know, I'm not mad that my kids are eating salmon and avocados, but if they never try it, how would they know? And so, but the whole reason why they wanted it is because they saw me eat it. And that was really eye-opening because if, if they see they're going to want to be, like they look up to you, your kids admire you. And so you have to ensure that if you want to say, like, I truly want to lead by example, then it's one that 
are you being the example of what a clean, healthy nutritional protocol would look like? Do they see you work out? The other thing that I've realized as some of my kids get a little bit older and have the ability to make their own decisions is that you cannot control everything that they do. And sometimes you have to look at a hindsight view, if you will. Let me give you an example. Um, We went to an Indy Fuel game several months back. And uh, my kids love the Fuel game. (laughs) Right? Because they're little and they don't have to sit down and they can yell and, right? Like they can just kind of be in their element. It's fun. Do they pay attention to the game? Uh, Maybe, maybe not. Not a big deal. But, but we like going as a family. We get dressed up. We got our fuel shirts, whatever. We went with a family more recently. And this family doesn't necessarily eat the same way that we do, which is fine. That's not going to, I'm not going to not hang out with you. But uh, he opted to get um, the four and the three-year-old a bag of cotton candy. And my four-year-old ate the entire bag of cotton candy. My four-year-old is also not very big. So one, we don't consume a lot of sugar. Not to say we never consume sugar. It's not like we never have ice cream. We never have special treats. But that's what they are. They're special. It's the occurrence. And um, so we got home and he got up that night and he barfed. Yep, he barfed. Why? Because his body, I could only imagine what his blood sugar was. I mean, have you ever eaten enough sugar that's literally made you barf? I'm, sh- I'm sure. It was probably, it was probably crazy. But anyways, so he barfed. And so we talked about it the next morning. I said, hey. I said, why'd you barf? And he was like, I don't know, mom. And I said, well, let's talk. Like, what kind of choices did we make before that? Like, what did you eat? And he's like, well, I had this and this and I had cotton candy. And I was like, okay, are those foods that make your body healthy and strong? And he was like, no. And I was like, okay. So why do you think you felt the way that you did? And he's like, because I ate that cotton candy. And I said, okay, so next time we go, you'll have a choice on whether or not you want to eat that cotton candy again. Fast forward. Uh, Last week, we went to a fuel game and we walked in and I said, hey, buddy. Um, He was like, mom, can I get like a special treat? And I was like, absolutely. What do you want? He said, mom, I will not choose cotton candy. You know, and so it's so interesting is that like he'll be five, gosh, he'll be five in like a week or so. So I guess he's almost five. But now with the mental capacity is that he'll ask like, mom, are those, are those healthy snacks? Mom, are those snacks that'll make me feel good? And he, he makes those options. So now when he says at home, he says, hey, mom, can I have a snack? He'll be like, yeah, mom, can I have some carrots? Yeah, mom, can I have some cucumbers? I'd like a string cheese. Now, does that mean that they still don't want sweets? No. But that's the other part is that, and this goes for adults as well. This is, it's harder with adults. If you don't have it in your house, you can't eat it. So if you don't want them to consume soda, don't buy the soda. If you don't want them to consume the Oreos, don't buy the Oreos. What you have in your house is what you will eat. And if you or your family doesn't have the self-control to maybe just take a nibble, then it's one that probably shouldn't be in the house. Especially if it's one that you're on the brink with type 2 diabetes, if you're pre-diabetic, it's one that you have one of two options. You have to make those changes, or if you live the life that led you to the pre-diabetes, that lifestyle is what will bring you directly to type 2 diabetes. And the research study that they had done really looked at and showed, hey, guess what? We did a study of 700 kids, and we found that metformin alone, metformin with diet and exercise, and metformin with a secondary blood sugar didn't have any impact unless people radically changed their lifestyle. 
And so when we're talking about it's more, you know, pre-diabetes, we don't think much about it, right? We don't have to take any medication. It's not really that big of a deal, but it is a huge deal when you look at what it's a precursor to, not just type 2 diabetes, but again, cardiovascular disease, um, albeit including hypertension and stroke. And so what if we could take these kids and pull them out of the model at the age of four, five, six, seven years old, and we say, hey, working out is important. Lessen your screen time. Why? Because when you move, it burns sugar. So say there was a choice that we made that wasn't the greatest. Your body has the ability to burn it off, but not if you sit in front of that screen for the next three hours. And what if you as a parent said, hey, although it's easier to put you in front of a screen, which I... As a working parent, as a husband, full-time military police, gone weeks at a time, we have zero family around to help with these children. Believe me, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. But what I can do is lead by example. I can lead by example and I can set precedence for my kids of what's expected, what makes us healthy and strong, and what doesn't. And you go from there. And sometimes it's more successful than others. But it's, it's finding balance and... What I found to be the most effective through all of this, whether it be nutrition um, or exercise, is that I'm the one that leads them. I'm the head of the household. And it's my responsibility to lead those kids. You don't have full control, but you can lead and help teach them. So when they go out on their own, they have the ability to make the best decision for themselves. So. It's ultimately the goal of Greenwood Family Chiropractic. 317-893-2853. 317-893-2853. Or schedule an appointment online. GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. Look forward to next week. But always remember that your power is on. Mm-hmm.